How has microarray-based gene expression profiling altered our perception of breast cancer, and how is this technology providing new ways to diagnose and treat this disease? You are listening to ReachMD Radio, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Lee Friedman, and joining us to discuss the molecular origins of breast cancer and new tools for the diagnosis and treatment of this disease is Dr. Leos Pustai, Associate Professor of Medicine and the leader of the Pharmacogenomic Program in the Department of Breast Medical Oncology at the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston, Texas. Welcome, Dr. Pustai. Thank you. As a practicing internist, I don't often understand some of the technical terms when we say microarray-based gene expression profiling. Can you give us a little background what we're looking at with these new technologies? Of course. Gene expression profiling is a technology that came into being about 10, 15 years ago. And the idea that motivated the, this technology was to measure multiple analytes or multiple different mRNA species at the same time in a single experiment. So by the late and mid-1990s, it has become apparent that molecular pathways exist, and measuring an individual gene that contributes to a pathway probably does not carry all the information that one could obtain about the status of the uh, pathway, and therefore measuring multiple different mRNAs that belong to a particular pathway would be far more informative. So this motivated research into developing methods and tools that could actually measure multiple things at the same time. And DNA microarrays is an example for this. There are other methods that could actually be employed to the same end, but probably the most commonly used technology is DNA microarrays. It involves a small silicon chip or a glass chip that contains multiple different RNA species planted on the surface of the chip. And this chip is hybridized or mixed with uh, mRNA from biological specimen. And you get hybridization between the uh, target mRNA and the chip, and you can measure that signal. So you can quantify separately the various mRNA species that are present in a tissue. So with one experiment, you can look at multiple different types of mRNA from a particular tissue. That's correct. I see. And this gives a certain signature or title or expression to that tissue? So this gives uh, a fingerprint of the parts of the machinery of cancer, for example, or really a complete list of the mRNA makeup of a particular cell or a tissue that you study. Hmm, That sounds fascinating. And on our particular chip, how many mRNAs are we talking about being analyzed with a single experiment? It is possible to measure the expression or quantify the expression of probably almost all of existing mRNA species that that a particular cell has. So the the number of of measurements that one could actually produce with a single experiment is 40 to 60,000. And I imagine this involves a, a lot of computer technology and what other technical equipment do you need to do such an analysis? To carry this measurement out, you need a very small amount of tissue. So a single needle biopsy or a few hundred thousand cells are sufficient to to generate the the expression profiles. The procedure itself takes probably about two days, somewhere between one and a half and two days to complete the entire experiment. And the end point of this experiment is a very long list of gene expression measurements. So this could be 20, 30, 40, 50,000 measurements on a single specimen. The analysis of this oftentimes take far more time than to actually generate the results. 
So now if we get this data and we analyze it and get the gene expression profile, how can we apply this to breast cancer? The idea is that we could measure variables, molecular features that are associated with a particular outcome. And we can do this in a blind global manner. So we could look at things that we have not even suspected that may be associated with a particular outcome. And the way this information is used, that we could use multivariate prediction models. These mathematical tools existed and have been used in other fields of science for many decades. We have not really adopted these for biomedical research or for diagnostic purposes in, in medicine until the advent of this technology. It's partly because it was relatively rare to have a very large number of measurements which are each individually associated with an outcome. Therefore, we would need to combine them to come up with a, a better prediction model. Most of the time, we deal with two or three variables, and we can sort of manage this even by guesstimating their combined effect on the outcome. However, with the advent of this tool, when we actually measure tens of thousands of variables, it was important to actually apply proper mathematical tools that, thanks for God, have been available for, for the research community through the experience of other fields of science. So the bottom line is that what these tests yield is a multivariate risk score or a multivariate prediction score for probability of response to therapy or probability of, of a bad outcome such as recurrence of cancer. So that's fascinating. And, and have we started now to use some of these gene expression profiles? And how do they compare with the prognostic information we get from the more well-known clinical variables? So there are a number of very interesting novel tests that, that adopted this technology platform and this principle for market development, which are already in the clinic. So one of them is a, a multigene assay that can be used to define the origin of an unknown primary cancer. So unknown primary cancers are, are metastatic diseases or metastatic cancers where we recognize and find the metastatic site in a particular organ, but we don't know where the cancer originated from. To understand where the cancer came from has some practical implications for selecting the best therapy. So there is a multigene assay that, that uses information from over 200 genes, signs, an organ site for an otherwise unknown primary cancer. So what is involved is a biopsy of the tumor and then the gene expression profiling, and then a computer algorithm says that this particular gene expression pattern is most likely to be consistent with a breast cancer or a colon cancer or lung cancer. And that obviously has incredible implication in terms of the treatment. So it has some important implications for treatment. Another example of multi-gene assays in the clinic in oncology is a test that we can use to identify estrogen receptor positive breast cancers who would require additional chemotherapy in addition to hormonal therapies to maximize someone's chance of cure. Breast cancer these days is, is uh, treated with at least three or four different modalities, and this includes surgery, plus-minus radiation therapy, and for estrogen receptor-positive disease. We also have the option of endocrine therapy and chemotherapy to, to try to treat micrometastatic disease and improve the chance of cure. So this has been a, a classical conundrum, dilemma for medical oncologists, which patients to actually recommend adjuvant chemotherapy and who to recommend hormonal therapy alone. So there is a 21-gene assay called Oncotype DX that is now available to risk 
stratify estrogen receptor positive disease for after tamoxifen therapy. So in other words, we can predict who are the patients who will do well with five years of hormonal therapy such as tamoxifen. And on the other side, who are the individuals who are not likely to do well with hormonal therapy alone and therefore would benefit from, from chemotherapy. So that is a very important step in one particular field of oncology in terms of, of improving personalized care. Very important because certainly the morbidity from certain chemotherapeutic agents is, is substantial and if we know who would make sense to treat and ask them to undergo and put up with the side effects, that would be a, a major step forward. And that is in practice now. That's right. And so remember that the, the default practice in many parts of the United States is to overtreat, to really not to deny the chance of, of benefit from patients when we are not certain who actually benefits from, from a given therapy. So really the value of this test is that, that it can spare many women who do not need more aggressive chemotherapies from, from the side effects and the costs and the inconvenience of chemotherapy. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD Radio, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Lee Friedman, and with me discussing the molecular origins of breast cancer and new tools for the diagnosis and treatment of this disease is Dr. Leos Pustai, Associate Professor of Medicine and the leader of the pharmacogenomic program in the Department of Breast Medical Oncology at the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston. Uh, Dr. Pustai, are there additional applications for this technology as you look forward? Yes. So there are other diagnostic tools that, that use the same technology. So in addition to identifying the origins of an unknown primary cancer or trying to select estrogen receptor positive patients who would also require chemotherapy in addition to endocrine treatment, there is also a third test which is available in the U.S. market, which is a prognostic assay that uses information from 76 genes, and the combination of these genes is used to predict the probability of recurrence in the absence of any therapy other than surgery. So this is a pure prognostic tool. And this is for breast cancer? And it's also for breast cancer. And I would imagine that as we learn more, this type of technology would be applicable to many types of cancers and perhaps even non-neoplastic illnesses. Do you see any developments like that five or ten years down the road? I think that that is almost certain. So the, the power of the technology is that it can look at a large number of molecular variables, even the ones that we haven't thought of in the past as, as, as possible predictors. And by using this method, it's, it's really just a matter of time and large enough sample size to be able to identify individual molecular features that could be combined into reasonably good clinical predictors that could complement existing tools. But in addition to the diagnostic value of these assays, it's also important to realize that, for example, in the context of breast cancer, we also gained some really fundamental new insights into the origins of the disease. Would that be used in a preventive way then? So it could be used both to rethink the way how we prevent the disease and also to rethink the way how we design clinical trials and how we try to develop treatments for breast cancer. And in particular, breast cancer used to be considered as a single disease, as a neoplastic disease of the breast with some degree of morphological heterogeneity and also with some heterogeneity in estrogen receptor expression or other single gene molecular markers. What has changed though is that when we look at the uh, presence or absence of thousands of, of molecules and, and mRNA species in breast cancer across a large number of samples. 
it becomes immediately apparent that there are three or four completely different classes of breast cancer that differ from each other to the same extent as lung cancer differs from prostate cancer in terms of the, the molecular differences that exist within particular groups of breast cancers. So today, the state-of-the-art perception of breast cancer is really as a collection of at least three or four molecularly different diseases that happen to arise in the breast. And these include the so-called triple receptor negative or basal-like breast cancer. And it refers to the, to the hypothesis that these type of breast cancers originate from basal epithelial cells in the breast, as opposed to the other major group, which is the luminal breast cancers that or originate from luminal epithelial cells. So the two large groups of breast cancers originate from different cell types in the breast and more or less correspond to the estrogen receptor positive and negative categories. And within the estrogen receptor positive group, we also can discern quite reliably at least two major groups, which have different prognosis and different sensitivity to endocrine therapy. And this is discussed very nicely in your article in the New England Journal of Medicine, February 19, 2009, where you go through these, these actually four classes you, you point out in, in the article and how the gene expression signatures really do help us to understand the development of the cancer as well as the prognosis and response to therapy. Yes, I think these are very important conceptual developments in, in how we approach breast cancer as a disease, both in terms of clinical management and also in terms of uh, how to develop new drugs and new treatment strategies for the different subsets. Well, I very much want to thank my guest, Dr. Leos Pustai from the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center for discussing with us the application of newer technologies to the understanding of the development, prognosis, and treatment of breast cancer. He outlined for us how gene expression profiling can be of great use for us right now with breast cancer and in cancer of unknown origin and how it may have increasing application to many diseases in the future. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable from ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD, online, on demand, and on air. Please also visit us at ReachMD.com. Thank you for listening.